House of Roll presents a life well-crafted. Five iconic luxury brands sharing the spotlight in one lavish house of brands. Roll, Riavel, Perrin and Rowe, Victoria and Albert, and Shaw's. To discover the full scope of design possibilities for your kitchen and bath, look no further than House of Roll. Reimagine your own setting at houseofroll.com. Hey guys, how you doing? JP Sari Kolia here, and welcome again to another episode of Age of Heroes, my podcast. This is the first episode of 2022, and I gotta be honest with you, I wasn't even planning to make this video or this episode because um, I wasn't even planning to get back to the podcast. I gotta be honest with you. I said that on my last episode. I says I think I'm willing. I'm just ready for a break from the podcast and. That's what I thought, but I got to be honest, I love podcasting, and I think this is a big part of uh, what I do. I know many of you follow me at, in this channel. I, many of you have been invited from my main ch channel, JPSR Reviews, and you've been supportive, and there are things that we need to talk, you know, like I feel that there are things that I cannot really say on my main channel. I don't have the time because of the format of the videos, because it's mostly reviews, and I talk about certain things, and to be honest with you, when I make these long videos on my channel, things don't do so well. It even affects the way my channel is viewed, uh, the way the algorithm works in YouTube, so all of that. So I say, you know what, let me just have this channel separate, separated from that and be able to express my thoughts in a free way. And I thank for those who have been supportive of that idea. And I hope this is the plan for this year to, to do some changes here, you know, to bring more people in. But I wanted to make this episode today because I think it's an important event. And to me, it's so important that I can talk about it on JPSR Reviews, but I feel that needs to be in a different format. And I feel that the podcast gives me the opportunity to share my impressions and also to be amazed and surprised and show that amazement here of the anniversary of the 30th anniversary of Image Comics. Image Comics, man. I cannot believe it's been 30 years since Image Comics was introduced into the market, into the industry. And at the same time, it's just remind, you know, it's like so long ago, but I, you know, it's so many good memories of the time. I was around when when Image Comics was created, I was around if I'm not mistaken between 14 and 15 years old. And I was it was an interesting time. I'm telling you, it was such a weird time. Uh, in in the comic industry, it was a in the '90s, of course. It's in the in that moment of the '90s where they were so impactful. Um, a lot of things were happening in the world in in entertainment, and all of a sudden you have Image Comics. Of course, you have the big sales in comics. You know, you have the big sales that were happening, or the big events that were happening on DC Comics, Marvel Comics. You saw the X Men, the Tuck McFarlane working with Spider Man. And you saw, of course, the dead and return of Superman. You saw, uh, what is that, Nightfall. You saw so many great events in the 90s. And it was such an interesting time. You saw the Infinity Gauntlet. Things were crazy. And, you know, I was in the 90s. Of course, it was the, the start of the, 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 pretty much the grunge music, the alternative rock and roll music. It was just a crazy time in the 90s. I remember that also in the video game industry was changing. The arcades had a big comeback with Street Fighter in the 90s, early 90s, you know, you saw King of Fighters, you saw so much stuff happening. Great movies were, um, you know, presented in the 90s. I was just like, oh my God, the 90s was crazy. It was fun, 
He was, but he was crazy. And to think that Image Comics was in many ways part of that change and that revolution in the industry and in the comic industry, but also in the pop culture industry and what it really brought in a new dawn of creators and creative ideas and publishers. It was, it was an amazing experience. It was an amazing time for sure. You know, it's 30 years, you know, this week we're celebrating the 30th anniversary, 30 years, man. And I'm just like, okay, you know, like it's been that long. But man, I was so blown away by, you know, by that, you know, by Image Comics and the creators and the inspiration of these creators. It was such an amazing, amazing time for sure. So I want to share that today. I want to share the, what really Image Comics meant to me, but also talk about the things that to me has been impactful over the years about this company that I think not only was the start of Image Comics with the seven founders, uh, you know, it was the the change, the revolution, and what really came after it. You know, there were good things that happened in Image Comics, bad things as well, but it really brought a new way to see comics. And in some ways, some people can blame what happened in the aftermath. They can blame, of course, the fall of the comic industry because of the the, the way that, you know, people were ballooning all these comic covers and the extra covers, which a lot of people say that that was the cause of uh, the, the, the fall and some of that, you know, I would say the demise of some of that part of the industry, but at the same time, it was it was crazy times. It was it was a time that was very different. You know, artists became superstars out of the out of nowhere. They were already superstars in their own right, but they now they had control of their creations. And also, there were a lot of things that were definitely not that good during that time. But man, the aftermath, everything that came after it, it's something that is just praiseworthy. You know, it's something that we need to mention. So I want to talk about it today. Now, Image Comics at this point has become the third largest publisher in the industry. Of course, after Marvel, after DC, which are the biggest, they control the market or they have the biggest control. But then you have uh, Image Comics, which in many ways allow for even Dark Horse Comics to follow. And then you have IDW Publishing, you have Dynamite Entertainment, and all the different publishers, many of them. And the great thing about Image Comics is the way they approach the business, where it was about the, in this case, the creators to have control, to have total control of their own properties. Uh, under the banner of Image Comics, because Image Comics was the publisher. Now, for those who do not know, the headquarters of Image Comics right now are in Portland, Oregon. Uh, initially, they were in Berkeley, California. Uh, I think they did the move in 2017. And I have all these notes because I wrote it down. I went last night and I was reading the old information. I was just getting in love. I, I went to sleep very late at night because I was just going through information online, but also reading a lot of the books that I have, information about the beginning of Image Comics. I was just having fun with it. And they're distributed uh, by Diamond Book Distributors. They're one of the biggest partners that they have, and definitely one that still maintains that relationship. And uh, initially, uh, for those who are not familiar with the whole situation, what started Image Comics initially in the '90s, there was already a there was already a, a disagreements. There were already at the late '80s. A lot of the artists were not happy. A lot of the young artists were not fully satisfied. There were a lot of superstars artists. There were, uh, Marvel was making a lot of money with this uh, artists and creators, and they were doing all crossover events and all situations. And artists were not happy. They were not happy because they were, you know, tossed from one comic book to the other with no total credit. They were getting paid for doing the job, but they were not satisfied with it. And at that time, there was a publisher, a very small publisher, was Malibu Comics. And Malibu Comics was more familiar or more in tune or in favor of allowing creators to have rights on their own properties. Malibu was a very small fish in a big pond, that's for sure. But they have a, the Malibu had a meeting 
with Larson Leifel and Valentino. Uh, Valentino, uh, one of the ma main founders, so the first founder, the founders of Image Comics. In that moment, it was very popular because he was uh, doing stuff with the Guardians of the Galaxy of that era of the late 80s, early 90s, where people love. So, so they have a meeting, and they were already having the idea of going on their own route to produce stuff through them. And ultimately, these guys, they brought, uh, in this case, these guys, Larson, Lightfield, and Valentino, they brought McFarlane, Tuck McFarlane, who was a superstar at the moment with Spider-Man, uh, also, uh, you know, you know who, who else? Jim Lee, the superstar of X-Men. And also, you know, they were able to brought it on board and also have Wills Potassio, who was at that moment doing Uncanny X-Men. Mark Silvestri also doing fantastic work with the with the X-Men and other 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 um, comics. So these were the superstars of the time. So ultimately, they gathered together and they say, well, we're going to go and talk to, we're going to leave, you know, because they, they asked for things that didn't, the Marvel didn't want to offer. So ultimately, that in 1992, and that was a meeting, a closed meeting uh, with, uh, DeFalco was there as the, the Paul, in this case, the editor-in-chief, but also the, I don't forget the name, the president at that moment of Marvel Comics, the meeting with McFarlane, uh, Jim Lee was there, and Lifel was there. And they say, we're leaving. This is the reason why we're leaving. We're just moving on. And the following day, they were joined by Eric Larson. And also they were joined by Mark Silvestri. And they went to the offices of DC. Although they were not really working with DC at the moment. But they just it was more a symbolic demonstration that they were ready to move on. And they were also telling the publishers, the big publishers, if you don't make changes to the way you approach this uh, business, you're going to lose a lot of talent. People are going to leave, move on someplace else. So initially they created Image Comics. So you have this seven creators. So the original seven, you have Eric Larson, of course, Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Tuck McFarlane, Wells Potassio, Mark Sylvester, and Jim Valentino. They are the founder, founding member, the seven founding members of Image Comics. Initially they were publishing stuff through Malibu Comics. They did that for a year before they actually started publishing. When they were more financially stable, they were able to start publishing things through their own, you know, doing their own imprint stuff. So this were from this seven founders, there were six original studios that were created. And it was at the beginning, the foundation of the company, the basis of the, the image companies was to leave the creators to have rights to their own properties. Image didn't own any of these properties that they were creating there. They only all owned the rights of the name of the company and of course the logo of the company, but they didn't own the rights of the company. They didn't interfere with the decisions of the own the creators. They were just there to bring that support so they're able to publish the you know in this case the stuff under the image comics banner that was it but there was no insight one founding member could not really determine the work of the other founding member there was no say oh you you have to do this or you have to do that it was total control for each member which was something unheard of you know at that moment you know there was no every other publisher had total control you know you were a work for hire creators or artists that were just there Hired to do a job. They, they have no control. Even if they created characters working for Marvel or DC, those characters belong to DC or Marvel. They didn't belong to the creator. They didn't belong to the writer or the artist. So they were pretty much out of luck. Now that was totally different. If you create a character under Image Comics, now that character belongs to the creator, the person that created it, had the idea and put it on paper. That's just bottom line. So that was great. Now, from those original, you know, the, you know, the, founders there were six studios that were created only wills potassio did not create a studio because at that moment he was dealing with the sickness of his uh sister in the philippines so he had to move back to the philippines to help her 
So he didn't have the chance. He was a founding member, but not one of the, I would say, partners in the whole business venture because he didn't have a studio. But we have the six studios. We have Tuck McFarlane Productions. Uh, we have Waston Productions, which was founded by Jim Lee and Brandon Choi. High Brown Entertainment was founded by Eric Larson. Shadow Line, which is the company of Jim Valentino. And Top Cow Productions by Silvestri. And Extreme Studios, which was founded by Rob Liefeld. So these six studios were the main studios at the beginning. And they're the ones that started everything. Now, things started, you know, the first comics that were produced, if I'm not mistaken, was Young Blood. Young Blood was the first one. Of course, Extreme uh, Comics, which is Rob Liefeld. And um, then, of course, you, you, you saw all the other artists bringing their own stuff. And uh, I'm telling you, one thing also that I want to point out that as soon as they departed, it was such a raucous in the whole industry. The industry was like surprised. Many think that they would not survive. They would say they were crazy. Even people at Marvel and DC say, well, you're crazy. You're not going to make it. But they have so much support and the fans were with them. They even named, named this the Exodus. The Exodus because, of course, uh, in this case, Silvestri, Potasio and Lee, of course, they were creators of the X-Men. So this was a big deal. You know, those that was the those were two, the Uncanny X-Men and the X-Men were the biggest selling at that moment, you know, besides of course Spider-Man. So it was the Exodus. <laughs> and it was so such an interesting day, I'm telling you. And with all of that, you know, you saw all the stuff that they were producing, which was amazing. You know, you saw, you know, amazing for the time. Of course, it was crazy because there was a lot of delays. There were things that they didn't produce, particularly Rob Liefeld was infamous for starting something and not finishing that. You know, everything he started didn't finish. It was just normal. But of course, you had all these extra covers and the direct market. That's when we get more of that direct market ideas where the, the direct market was something that people were just making money out of it, producing so many of these covers, variations. Uh, things that even Valiant Comics came in the aftermath. Also, they were doing that nonsense. People were doing all that. And uh, it was crazy, of course. You also saw the introduction of the the, the Wildcats, for example, by, by Jim Lee, which was interesting, his ideas. And, of course, Spawn, they came from Tuck McFarlane, the Savage Dragon from uh, Eric Larson. Um, and then, of course, you have the Cyber Force and all the stuff that was produced by Top Cow Production, Witchblade. So many stories, man. I'm telling you, the 90s was crazy. With the mature content and the mature ideas. And of course, when you look at the stories, when I go back and read, and I still do, sometimes I go back and read the 90s stuff, I'm amazed about the art because it was very unique, very 90s style, of course, elongated, you know, crazy, anatomically incorrect, all of that. But it was just crazy. The power, the stamina, the, you know, definitely the, it was just manly. It was a manly time for comics, definitely not for girls. It was just crazy, you know, the blood, the gore, the sexy babes, all of that. That was what the 90s was all about with comics, particularly with image comics, the superhero craziness. Um, but at the same time, the ideas were very unique. And also you saw the exploration, like Doug McFarlane, he started exploring his ideas into, you know, he was very successful not only because of the comic book Spawn was phenomenal. He started diving into the toy lines, you know, started doing stuff with Spawn figures, which became like, uh, they're iconic because they started the trend for a lot of action figures that we now like Marvel Legends and stuff like that. We just, you know, enjoy that. The stuff that happened with statues also, you know, they see like Bowen Designs came on board. You know, you saw companies like Sideshow Collectibles. All the companies kind of started from that, from the beginning. They, they will tell you that they, when they started looking at the way things were, they were looking at uh, companies and the way that he was doing, because to, to be honest with you, Tom McFarlane was an innovator. He was an innovator. He was innovating the industry. He was changing the industry, creating these IPs 
that it's exploring more than just the comics. It was exploring those ideas. Of course, you know, you start exploring ideas in the on the animation. You saw Spawn animated series. You saw even the Wildcats an animated series that was not as popular. Gen 13 also has an animated series, although it was because of some rights with Disney, all that didn't, it was never aired in the United States, but it's where air outside of the United States. So it was, it was a time, interesting time. Of course, you start seeing movies. One of the first movies, people don't talk much about it now, but the truth of the matter is that you, we saw a Spawn movie back in the 90s. A Spawn movie was good for the time. I'm telling you, it was good. And people will say, I hate it now. But to be honest, it was something different. A Spawn was different, you know, and it was a beginning of uh, something new. That it wasn't that because that was even prior to what well, was prior to Blade. It was prior to the X-Men and all of that that happened. You know, you you see Spawn. If I'm not mistaken, Spawn came before it. So it, it was just, it was such an intriguing time. And to see that and the way things are. But of course, there were a lot also uh, in, in the, be the beginning because these kids, you know, they were young. They were young people. They didn't know how to run a business. They were artists. They were ambitious. And you always heard the stories of the beginning when they start getting paying good money. Like, for example, Liefeld, he was just the youngest of the bunch. And he was just, like, spending money like crazy, doing crazy stuff. He was a rock star for sure. He was such a rock star. And, the, of course, the praise, you know, you have the, the era, MTV, all of that. They were praised. They were having cameos. They were showing up on MTV. They were everywhere. They were, they were doing so much stuff. And definitely not doing as much work in the comics. You know, then they start doing the things that they hated from Marvel. They start actually bringing other people in to fill in and to do the work of the creations that they did, which they got blamed for that as well. They say, well, now you're repeating the same mistakes of the sins of your father. It's the people that brought you in. So that's what they were doing. Which was crazy. It was interesting. Um, at the same time, you know, you saw so many creations there that were so impactful for the 90s. You know, yes, now we can go back and look at them and say, yeah, you know, they were too much. But at the same time, they were so unique. And so many artists that nowadays are so loved and beloved that this new generation, many of them, they had to start at Image Comics, where they were working on their Top Cow Productions or, or Wildstorm, or they were working on their... You know, working for McFarlane, you know, with Spawn. There were so many artists. They have their break there. And now, of course, they're popular. Capullo, you know, Greg Capullo, for example, one of them. Uh, so many. You know, I can name all of them. There's so many. I just now my, I have a brain freeze just thinking, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm frozen on it. Because, man, it's just like every writer and every artist that I remember, Warren Ellis, for example, as a writer, everything was started at some point. With their, uh, which within one imprint of, uh, in this case, um, Image Comics, started there. And even Alan Moore was doing stuff for, you know, with Wildstorm, with American, uh, what is it, American Great Comics, uh, his stuff that ultimately was published by DC Comics when Wildstorm was purchased, which was, was not a good thing. Uh, Alan Moore didn't like it for sure. But there's a lot of things. Now, when you look at that, the current imprints that now uh, the company has, because of course, you know, some companies, Ultimately went out, uh, left, you know, because, of course, Wilson was sold. Um, in this case, the company of Liefeld left, too. But you still have Hybra Entertainment still, uh, current imprint. So Spawn's still there. No, I'm sorry, Spawn, uh, the Savage Dragon is still there. Shadowline, Skybound Entertainment, which is by owned by Robert Kirkman, who has become... Uh, he became also a member back in, what, 2008, 2009, he became... An important member of the group. Tuck McFarlane. Still there. Spawn. You know, after all these years, still producing, you know, comics. Amazing. Top Cow Productions. You have Arcana Studio, the company of Sean O'Reilly. You had Black Market Narrative, the company of Kyle Higgins, Sig uh, Siggy Publishing. It's also so they're have publishing. Now, the interesting thing is that when it was introduced in the 90s, 
it was all about superheroes. But eventually throughout the, I would say the early 2000s, also the late 90s, you, you saw the company changing and transforming their own brand to also allow other creators to bring their own creations uh, that had nothing to do with comics. So this is when you see now, for example, you go to Image Comics nowadays and what they, they, they sell, what they publish, they publish a lot of stuff that is not necessarily comic you know, based on, on, on superheroes. It's a lot of stuff that is based on whether it's horror stuff, whether it's more mature themes, where there is of, you know, like drama, you know, where there is detective comics, so many things that are there that they're producing, um, that there's so, you know, futuristic stuff, sci-fi stuff. They have so much stuff, you know, and they own owned by their own creators and it, they're publishing a lot of stuff in a way that it's so real to look at the number of things that they're publishing image comics nowadays. is amazing. You know, it goes beyond, I would say it's more, you know, this has more variety than any other publisher, more than Marvel. More, more than DC, more than I would say, Star, more than uh, Dark Horse Comics or IDW. Uh, Image Comics has a variety of themes. They publish so much stuff in so many different arrays of themes, which is something that they've been exploring for years. And I think it's it's it, you know it's amazing to see how Image has evolved from what they started, you know, full of that teenage angst into something that is really more broad. There still kind of deals with a lot of the teenage stuff, but it, it gives you so much different content, so many different products you know when people say that comics have died perhaps the superhero genre is not in the, the the best strength that it was but i'm telling you the other genres within comics are really strong right now and image comics is part of it i think image comics is one of the reasons why it's very strong many they produce a lot of great comics so now some former imprints you know like you know throughout the years they've been having so many different imprints but we look at allison comics which is lifel's uh, company uh, it would change from the beginning when initially it was Extreme Studios. Then Extreme Studios became Awesome Comics. Then that is no longer part of it. Uh, I think Awesome Comics doesn't no longer exist. Although, of course, Lifel owns continues. He owns the rights of this uh, IPs and his products that he created there. Uh, Devils Do Publishing, the company Joshua Blaylock, no longer there. Gorilla Comics, which was a company that, an imprint that tried to do and bring a lot of different artists. You had Kurt Busiek, Tom Grummet, Stuart Imminent, Carl Cassell, Barry Kitson, George Perez, Mark Waite, and Mike Waringo. Those were the, the initial creators that wanted to bring their own, own properties through. Uh, Gorilla Comics didn't work out so well. Uh, it didn't, you know, did much. You also have Miller Ward. Uh, Miller Ward, of course, uh, Miller World by, uh, you know, by Mark Millar. Mark Miller ultimately sold that to Netflix, but a lot of the stuff that you saw, the the Jupiter's Legacy, all the stuff that he created, and his with you know the amazing stories, of course, a lot of that stuff still being published by Image Comics, but of course now the IPs belong to Netflix. Now Wildstorm, Wildstorm was a one that was sold finally to DC in nineteen what was it nineteen ninety nine, and when it was sold to DC. It was lost. You know, the, the, a lot of stuff when the, the characters kind of merged with DC. Ultimately, all that imprint was completely closed because it was headquartered in, uh, Wilson was headquartered in California while DC is headquartered in New York. So that's what happened there. And then, of course, some of the imprints that were part actually because Wallstorm became a studio that also had its own imprint. So you have How Much Comics, you have Cliffhanger, you have America's Best Comics. That was the Alan Moore stuff that ultimately was published by DC. So they once they were sold, that went to DC's hands. So those are the former imprints. Now, you know, when you look at the comics nowadays, you know, when you look at everything that they have done over the years, the popularity of so many is amazing. You know, so many comics have been 
you know, like on top of the chart forever. You know, some of them have changed the way we see comics in, in, so, in so many ways. You know, like when you look at Spawn, for example, right now, if I'm not mistaken, we have we are at right now issue number 326. Spawn is one of the longest, if not the longest independent comic book run in, pretty much in the industry. The longest, 326 issues, followed by Savage Dragon. The Savage Dragon is 261. So they're the longest, you know, and Savage Dragon. The best thing about Savage Dragon is that Eric Larson has been producing, drawing the art since the beginning. He's the oldest, in this case, the, the comic book that has been with the same artist the longest than anybody else. So that's Eric Larson right there. You know, you have Cyber Force by Sylvester Top Cow, which has been some iterations, Cyber Force, Top Hunter, things like that. So you have seen a couple of iterations, uh, Witchblade, uh, Hunter Killer, I'm sorry. You also have uh, Witchblade, which, of course, is so popular, created that TV show. Also, you have, you know, even anime, which is amazing. Collectibles are out there. The Darkness, which is part of the Witchblade, Aphrodite 9, which is another one that I was always a big fan and, uh, you know, to see the art there. Uh, of Hunter Killer, I mentioned that. Madame Mirage, the Magdalena. You saw Artifacts, which was uh, pub- the Artifact was created by Ron Mars, but it was pu- published by Top Cow Productions. Now, of course, uh, one of the most popular right now and still popular. Well, although it's not, you know, like it stopped, but still, you know, still popular because he created that famous, you know, popular show, which is The Walking Dead, which, of course, is the production, uh, the creation of Robert Kirkman and Skybound Entertainment. Um, I'm telling you. The Walking Dead, man, took everything by storm. Even when, I will tell you, in the early 2000s when Image was kind of struggling trying to, you know, get a footing on the industry because at that moment in the early 2000s, they were chased heavily by Dark Horse Comics and by by um, IDW. They were chased heavily there. Then you saw, you know, Kirkman coming in and then, of course, The Walking Dead, Invincible. Invincible just got the show on Netflix, which is an amazing show for sure, the first season. But you also saw, you know, the stuff that he created there, like he has published there, Oblivion, Outcast, also Saga, which is always popular by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Saga is another great story there. Kick-Ass by, by Miller. You have Jupiter's Legacy. I already mentioned that. That's, of course, Mark Miller. And now, of course, they they part of Netflix. But they've still been published. You can still find Image still publishing those. Uh, Kingsman. Now you have Ant, another one by Mario Gulli. Very good story, too. Evangeline, which is part of Rob Liefeld, even though he took some some of his creations out, some of the stuff is still being published. And I, because of the way they were set up, they've been having comebacks and other creators have been using the same characters. So you had Blood Strike, for example, also still sometimes having cameos and stuff in Image Comics. You had Battle Chasers, which was uh, the creation by Joe Madreira. Uh, that one, um, Battle Chasers, of course, it started with Wallstorm. Criminal is another one by Edward Baker. Very popular that we have seen just recently, the hardcover collections. You have Dynamo 5, one that it never, I remember when it came out, I was such a fan of Dynamo 5. We haven't seen much of it, but definitely I loved it. Uh, East West by Jonathan Hickman. East West is a fantastic uh, also collection. You have the Manhattan Projects, also another one from Hickman. I'm going to the list. Fear Agent, Fear Agent by Rick Remander. So you have all these great artists and writers and you know, people involved in the industry, they also brought this stuff to Image Comics. You have Gideon Falls by Jeff Lemire, Hack and Slash, another one that's very popular by Tim Silly, and also Revival. You have Lady Mechanica. Lady Mechanica it's, it's, has a lot of, you know, a lot of people love Lady Mechanica by Joe Benitez. Lasted is by Greg Rocca. Make by Mac Walkner is another one that has always been praised. Middle West. 
Middle West by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. That's another one. Man, I'm telling you, that's the one that you cannot miss. Beautiful art. Satellite Sam, I remember when it came out. Mad Fraction, very mature teams. Howard Chaykin. Uh, Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron. And the list goes on and on and on. I, there's so many stories I can point out here. You know, I've just made a list of the stuff that I can remember. And there's the comics that, of course, they're no longer being um, published by them. But in my opinion, they were so impactful, too. You had Young Blood, for example, the stuff from Liefeld. You had Brigade, also Glory, Prophet, Supreme. Those are the stuff that Liefeld created. Then the the Wildcats. We just recently had the absolute version under DC, but the Wildcats, great characters. I would love for DC to actually tackle them. But of course, they were part of the Image Comics era. Gen 13, they just got the app. What was that? The deluxe version that came out of the original run of the first issues of the, the first two volumes. It's still missing more. I hope that one day we can see... DC gets to do in Omnibus. That would be awesome. But it's good to see that beginning. Gen 13 was some, a fav, you know, it was it was a favorite, fan favorite when it came out. It was hard. To, you couldn't even find the comics back then. It was they were they were selling out so quickly. People love those. They love that. I, I loved it. I remember that. Then of course you got Dead Blow. You got Team Seven, DV8. All that stuff came from Wildstorm. Wet Works, which was the creation of uh, Will's Potassio that was published under Wildstorm. Stormwatch. Divine Right, which is on one, almost at the end of the Wallstorm before it was sold. Part of it, it was published, uh, I think at the the last issues were published by DC then. But uh, I love Divine Right. Loved it in that time, the art of uh, Jim Lee. Pit. Pit was back then published also. Dale Keon's creation was... Uh, and it had some sometimes some... There was Witchblade also and the Darkness combined with the Pit. All of that. Great creation from Image Comics. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, Dilkion has that, but you haven't seen some of those, uh, you know, comics being reprinted. The Max, Sam Keats, The Max, and now it's part of, it's been published by um, IDW, but that was initially a comic that was popular through Image Comics. You know, this is the thing. You know, when you look back in time and you look at everything the Image, and I'm giving you a lot of information here because uh, to me, I love information. That's one thing I do. I love data. And when I look at the data and I look at the impact of these characters and these creators over time, I realized that the industry couldn't be what it is now without him. And that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. It depends how you see it. Some people will see this as a bad thing because they will say that they really destroyed the way we perceive comics. You know, comics became... Stop being just for children. It became more mature. They were already mature in the 80s. They were already diving into the mature teams. But I think it was more a response. You know, Image Comics was a response to the era. It was a response of the times. It was a response of the way they were doing things. And yes, there were challenges then. There were situations then that perhaps they were not so good, but ultimately brought a revolution. It brought change to an industry that was dying in so many ways and gave some insight and really made people to see comics as more than just a, just a, a way to entertain kids as a medium to communicate, a medium to communicate ideas. And image, I would say Image Comics was a big part of it because comics are a medium where you can communicate ideas. And to this day, they are a big part, of, an imprint of the social landscape, of the social conversations. Uh, and I think it's good. You know, I have met many people that over the years that it's rare to find someone that had never read comics. I've met so many people that have read comics over the years. And in one way, shape, or form, everyone has a favorite. Some people love some style. Some people love DC or Marvel. But in so many ways, a lot of people, and there are people that love Image, but in so many ways, people are doing things that are different. And that is always an important thing. Now, when you look at today, where are they now? That's the question. 
where are these um, creators now? Because, of course, you know, things when, you know, something, there were upheavals, there were some challenges, even in 1996. Um, in this case, uh, Rob Liefeld was almost ousted. It was, um, in this case, um, Sylvester got so upset with the way uh, Liefel was managing the company. So he took Top Cow out of the equation, says, I'm out of here in 1996. And um, then the the five founding members that were left, they said, well, we're going to have to do something about it. So they weren't talks about kicking Leifel out, but ultimately Leifel, before being kicked out, he resigned his position and he actually uh, removed himself from being a partner of the uh, Image Comics. Uh, and of course, then is when Sylvester came back. But, you know, even after all these years, they've still been successful. This is the thing. Even though there were a lot of changes and some of the members are no longer there, they are always, a, they have been successful in a one shape or form in so many different ways for example you see Tuck McFarlane Tuck McFarlane has become a superstar he's a superstar now people love him not only because of the Spawn comics but because of the way he has changed the industry he McFarlane Toys for example company that has changed the way we see a lot of things and I still to this day McFarlane Toys this partnership they have with DC they're just the kings of the yield right now with the action figures they're producing he's producing so many action figures is no you know there's you know it's amazing you know the idea of him having his spawn back in, in a movie it's always been there and he's been planning and playing with the ideas but he's been killing it just with the in the toy industry and he's the president right now of Image Comics. You also have Jim Valentino. He's the vice president. I will tell you what, Shadowline never really kicked well, even with his creations. But he's still there. He's still been involved in as the vice president. He's always been involved in the process. He's been in different positions in the company. You also have Mark Silvestri. He is still with Top Cow Productions. Top Cow is still doing stuff. You know, he's been doing it for so long. Um, he's the CEO of the company. Now you have Eric Larson, who, of course, you know, he continues. He Eric Larson, I love Eric Larson because he's so spoken in social media. He's always there active. He's very politically involved. Um, but he's still creating, you know, his, his longtime creation, which in my opinion is still amazing. Uh, the Savage Dragon. He's the CFO at Image. You also have Robert Kirkman, who, of course, Robert Kirkman has done amazing. His company has grown. The stuff that he has done with Invincible, the stuff that he has done in his own comics, the stuff that he has done, of course, with The Walking Dead. He has made millions of dollars doing that. He is the the CEO the, of the company of Image Comics. Eric Stephenson. Eric Stephenson also uh, who it's, um, you know, he became a pretty much the publisher. He became a leader for many years. He's still working in the company as the CCO. Jim Lee, of course, left in 1999 when he sold Wildstorm. Now he's the publisher and chief creative director at DC Comics. And of course, Jim Lee is still popular. People love him. Of course, he has done stuff with DC. You know, people still dream that one day he will do back, go back to do stuff for Marvel and perhaps with Image Comics. That would be awesome for his creations. But of course, he sold all those creations to DC Comics. Rob Liefeld still involved, even though he left, he's still producing stuff, and sometimes he has done stuff with Image Comics. He still do, does covers, and he does interior art with, for DC and Marvel. He's very popular. Of course, some of his creations have been made millions and billions of dollars right now, like uh, what's that, Deadpool, and he's banking on that. He's been banking on it, on cable stuff. He loves it. He's very active in social media. Of course, if you have heard his podcast, he's active, and he's talking about comics all the time. He's always exciting here and i don't care much of him i don't really pay attention much of to his podcast but when i hear it they you know when i get the chance man he brings some good ideas you know he is good and he has a lot of fans rob Servations by rob liefel with rob liefel is a, the name of the podcast you should look for it wills potassio he has done stuff for different publishers you know he's doing covers 
He is doing art, interior art here. So he's been active. He's active in social media on Instagram. He's active. You can see him doing his stuff, his appearances here and there, and doing you know, cost, you know, commission art and all that. I'm telling you, it was a fantastic time. To me, 30 years have gone by in a way that on a blink of an eye. I still remember when I was a teenager, I thought that I had the world under my feet and I was in control of things. I realized that, you know, life changes, you know, and people adapt and change. And But I'm so glad to see these people that created with one idea. Uh, they were, in many ways, thought. People thought that they will fail, but they... They kind of, in some ways, they were shaky at the beginning, but they, they established themselves in the industry in a way that up to this day, they're benefiting from that first step. You know, if you think about many artists that they, they have come and gone, many of them, they are forgotten. But I will tell you that the seven founders and the people that were involved in the aftermath of Image Comics have really gathered that praise because they, they saw that opportunity. Not only because these seven guys, they saw the opportunity, they opened the door for other creators to express their ideas and to become successful. And that's because Image Comics was a pinpoint. It was a point in the, in the map. Something that you can pinpoint and say, well, this is the beginning of a new thing, of a new era of comics. And yes, it's been good, it's been bad. But at the same time, it's exciting to see how the industry has changed and what we have seen and the evolution of it. And it has to do with this guy's doing amazing work. It is amazing to me. I love it um, to think of it. You know, I have so many great memories of the beginning of Image Comics. So much, so much frustration as well when there were a lot of things that they didn't finish or they were, took forever to come out. But at the same time, um, it was an exciting time. And I remember that so vividly and to think about it after 30 years now that I'm a grown man I'm a father my daughter was born within those 30 years now she's married now I'm just single again well no single I'm with my wife so now we're single we're both together just the two of us and to think that life has changed and this company still exists and they're still helping other creators to bring their ideas to the forefront and it's going nowhere that's good it's good you know it really reminds us that with tenacity with dreams when pushing for those things, you can achieve a lot. It's all about just believing in yourself, believing in your dreams, believing in what you are envisioning in your life and just pursuing it. Even when you make mistakes, because the company, the guys, they made a lot of mistakes at the beginning and they still make mistakes, but they are who they are now and they're successful because they continue on, they press on and it's all about pressing on. But my friends, what do you think about it? This was an extensive episode. Um, I'm just sharing the emotions of, 30 years, man, 30 years. And I'm part of it too, you know, as a, as a reader, as a fan, you know, it's, it's amazing to, to know that. Uh, but my friends, what is your opinion? What do you think about it? What do you think about image comics? Are you a fan of image comics? Do you remember, were you there when that happens? Were you a fan back then? Or you came in the aftermath? What is it, your favorite comic book from that era? What is your com favorite comic book at all in image comics? You still read image comics. Let me know. In the comments below, if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening to the, the different platforms, you can come to Facebook, you can come to YouTube, you can come to Twitter, Instagram, you can let me know what you think. Please share this podcast with your friends, you share the links, you know, let me grow, help me to grow this uh, podcast, help me to, to bring this to a bigger audience, you know, that would be awesome. But, you know, it is what it is. I enjoy your time, I enjoy the opportunity to talk to you on a daily basis. I don't know if I'm going to go back next week, you never know, but if I do... If I don't, I want to I want to wish you all a happy week, happy weekend, and God bless you, my friends. I'll talk to you again. Bye bye.